All right, welcome everyone to the Sometimes Sensical podcast, podcast where four friends compare notes on life. I'm Drew Kather. I'm Grant Rasmussen. I'm Shadrach Biggs. And I'm James Wingler. All righty. We're just grilling James today. We decided to try to extract some information about James, about James, from James, about becoming a parent. So Shadrach seemed particularly in need of this conversation for some reason. At least that's how he framed it. So I don't know. Do you want to let me just say start? Hold on. Let me I need to address that because now you let out something that sounds like a rumor. Um, Hannah and I are not pregnant, but um, we're thinking about it in the near future. And so as the reality of the situation sets in on me, I'm starting to feel less and less prepared. Whereas beforehand, I always thought, oh, yeah, you know, having a baby, that's a cool idea. Like, we'll we'll get there. Like, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. Like, I'm excited to be a dad. And now that the reality of the situation is like, hey, we're going to soon be trying here. I'm like, uh, that's terrifying. So um, let's let's think about this. <clears throat> so I. Uh, yeah, that has actually been the leading cause of us uh, looking to buy a house recently is because, um, you know, this thing called nesting for women uh, when, when they're pregnant. Um, kind of preparing for the child. I am going through a fatherly nesting period at the moment where uh, I'm like, okay, if we're going to be trying soon for a child, I, I we got to be ready for that. So um, yeah, basically I'm going through a nesting period uh, of trying to provide. Um, and so anyways, yeah. So when we were talking, when we were setting this up, I was thinking, oh man, yeah, I, uh, there's a lot to think about here. And so I don't, I don't know, like, what particular order I want to take these questions or like ask these questions in, but I don't know. I guess I want to start from the the beginning. Uh, well, I don't know actually. I don't have an order. Um, let me let me jump in. I just want to make a quick recommendation. Have you seen the uh, practice babies? The rubber that, one. That could be a good. Yeah, well, it's like a baby doll, you know, that people will just, just treat like a real practice. Yeah, I have seen those. They're a little freaky. Um, uh, same same things accomplished with an egg. Similar, similar. Uh, how different? There's here's the first question. How different is it from like raising a dog? Because I got two dogs right now. Um, like I had to raise both. <laughs> of them. Like how how did? What's the big difference here between Oliver and a dog? You know, the difference that between just Oliver and a, a little dog. weird. Um. <laughs> I think I know my wife laughed in the background. I think the Um, only difference is you have to teach the babies how to walk and talk. I think literally that's it. Everything else is exactly the only difference is you just have to teach them how to walk. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, it's essentially like, this is going to sound terrible. And I need to add a disclaimer here that I'm not an expert in parenting by any means. My experience. Um, I love being a parent. I'll talk about it plenty, but um, I, you know, it's like a pet on steroids. We always had pets growing up and like you're, you're in charge of them, right? Like their well-being, And so that's like a kind of a practice run, but like there, nothing prepares you for like the sheer responsibility of like this tiny defenseless human who relies on you for literally everything. Like a dog can walk around for the first 
six, you know, seven, eight months of his life, he was dependent on us for mobility. You know, like he can't burp himself. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of dependency in him that I never experienced as a pet owner. As I don't know if that was a serious question, but you know, there there's an an added level of you cannot do anything without us. And is it anything like taking care of a guinea pig? It's kind of a guinea pig. Um, maybe two guinea pigs would be an appropriate comparison. Okay, so I'm good to go. Dang, I need to get. Funny thing is, I'm not even very good at that. That's mostly Julia. Who I was gonna say, is Julia the one doing that? Like, <laughs> hey, no, we we've all seen you with the guinea pigs. There, you're you're a fatherly figure. My my profile picture for you in my phone is Drew with this guinea pig kind of nestled on his chest and his hair is slicked back. He's leaning back on a couch. It's a very professional photo. I think it really encapsulates his his image. I think that's his LinkedIn uh, profile picture. I, I did have to obtain it through side channels via Julia to get that photo because I saw it and I was like, I need that photo. Yeah. But Drew wouldn't send it to me. Um, so I had to get Julia to send it to me. So let me ask you this, James. Obviously, there's no way possible to prepare for having a child like literally everyone like is always free to give their advice same thing with marriage everyone and their dog has an opinion on how you should you know treat your first year of marriage like none none of that ever actually reflects into how the first year of marriage actually goes um every single person has a different opinion i'm curious the same is with a baby but like what was the biggest thing that surprised you or caught you off guard when becoming a father? I think it was just how there, there's many aspects of your life you don't consider will change, but do. For instance, like, you know, even things like freedom and leaving the house. And freedom's the wrong word to use there because I, I feel like you know, Oliver gives me a lot more freedom, but flexibility in terms of, you know, Amanda and I used to love working out together. We had, you know, that was our, our date, essentially. We'd always try to work out together. We'd go to the rec center or wherever it was. Um, logistically, we can't do that anymore. You know, logistically, it's hard to meet up with people past like 7.30. You know, there's a lot of like random logistical things that you don't think about until a friend's like, hey, do you want to come over at eight? And you're like, yeah. And you're like, wait, well, Oliver is going to be sleeping. So that means one of us will stay. Okay, maybe if we meet at, Maybe if we meet at six o'clock, you know, but then, well, he goes down at 630 and then it's like, well, okay, he has a nap time at two. There's just like a, a there was much more um, like just logistical things. It's kind of funny, you know, not like the emotional, physical aspect of it, just logistical planning becomes difficult. You know, mm. it, it just becomes trickier to anticipate like when he'll go down for a nap or, and we've gotten on a pretty good schedule now, but you know, for the first four months, it was like, someone would be like, Hey, do you want to meet up at three? Be like, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, Oliver could be sleeping. He could be screaming. He could be eating, you know, could be pooping. <laughs> you know, But uh, I think it was that, I think it was just the, uh, the sheer variability in, in his schedule. So what you're saying is Oliver hasn't quite mastered the bench press. Not yet, although he's great at child's pose. 
I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a yoga pose where like you kind of kneel, but your butt is between your ankles. It's absurdly oh, yeah. difficult. Like it, I can't do it. It hurts, what? but Oliver just sits. I can't do that. My you knees do, do not let me do that. Dude, I, I do that. I'm way thicker than you too. Like I, sh I shouldn't be able to do that. You should, what? You need this, to be able to I don't do know it. If this, I don't know if it's that, technically James, child's called, Amanda told me it's actually not called child's pose. It's just basically kneeling, but your butt is touching the floor and your heel is on either side of the ribs. Does that make sense? We need to call the doctor if you can't do that. Here's, Dude, here, I cannot I think do the that. disconnect is I can do the child's pose, but I don't think like my bottom touches the ground. Like, I don't think I'm that flexible, but like I can get in the general shape of child's pose. I think that's the what we're talking about. Okay. Anyway, that's a side tangent. We don't have to hit on that too much, but um, that, that caught me off guard. Um, anyways, I have some more questions. So, so I don't dominate the situation, so. Well, I have a follow-up, which is you talked about how it kind of changed your schedule. How has it changed your marriage? You know, are you able to do things just the two of you or uh, how do you make that happen? Or, you know, do you talk to each other in different ways? Do you think it's get tense at times because, you know, baby's crying and somebody's got to deal with it stuff like that I, I will say that there's definitely a period of increased strain and tension on a marriage for the first like three four weeks of of uh having a baby just because there's so many new responsibilities and like you are struggling to figure out what your routine's going to be you're kind of struggling to figure out well okay you know one of us has to go to work that means one of us is kind of in charge of him at nights you know because if you're going to work in the morning you should try to get a good night's sleep but then again that means the person who goes to work you know or the person sorry who's not working is in charge of him at night and the morning you know so there's definitely an increased strain there i will say though that oliver has really helped kind of refine mandanai's priorities as in it, a lot of superfluous stuff has dropped out of our life. You know, less important things have kind of been pushed to the wayside and the more important things have taken up a bigger scope. Um, and, you know, it is hard to go on date nights. Um, if we lived near family, I think it would be different, you know, just kind of built in babysitters. We have people here that can babysit, but, you know, there's nothing like having your mother or mother-in-law or you just don't feel guilty at all about asking them to watch your kid. Um, but, you know, we, so what we try to do is we, you know, when he goes down for naps or when he, especially when he goes down for bedtime at night, it's okay. Like, this is like our time to like sit, we'll watch a show, talk to each other about our day. Like that's kind of a eat ice cream and just says, you know, that's like our special time to like for us, you know, because he, you know, having a child is a, is a dominating presence. Otherwise when he's awake, like he is, he is in control basically of what we're doing all right i have a question this one i'm curious i just know that um like the people i've worked with or like the people that i associate with who like a lot of people say like they don't want kids or like they want kids when they're like super or not super but like later in life 
kind of when they're 30 or 40. Um, have you, like, how, what has your, have your friends at school or friends in kind of your community, have they talked about that with you? Are they kind of like, whoa, why are you having kids so young? Or like, I don't know what, I'm curious about your experience with, with just other people's perceptions. Uh, I will say Texas is very family centric, you know, um, I'm not the only parent in medical school. I think I'm definitely the youngest. Um, but I, you know, a lot of other people have families and kids in medical school. Um, in terms of like how people react, I'm, you know, Menden are at this point now older so that people aren't like, oh my gosh, you had a kid at 19 or something like, you know, like we didn't have him that young, you know, um, but I mean, people have been overly positive. He has a little fan club on campus of like people who like request pictures of him. He'll come to, he'll come to campus after exams and kind of like emotional support animal, like be held by people who just took like a three hour, you know, exam. Um, people love him and they love being around him. I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, how do you do medical school and, you know, have this child? I guess absurd. Uh, which is a mm-hmm. question you can get into. Um, but people, I think, generally recognize that it's a choice and a sacrifice we made. I think that's a really key aspect of it is like, you know, choosing to have a kid is a very big decision. And the number one thing that goes into that decision has got to be on the same page as your spouse, right? So I think there's a big difference. I was thinking about this the other day. There's a big difference between saying like, I want to have kids and being like, kids would be great at some point, right? You know, Manz and I were lucky enough that both of us are like, we want kids. We want that soon. Um, and there's no perfect time to have a kid. There's never going to be like the stars align. You randomly have nine months off. You know, that's not going to happen. Um, so to us, it was much more important to start our family and frame our life around that rather than start our life and then frame having kids in that context. Um and that was the right decision for us. That might not be the right decision for everyone else. Um, I, I will say that I think having Oliver has made me a better student. It's made me much more focused on what matters, things like that. Um, but, you know, the decision to have a kid is between you and your spouse. And that's something you guys decide what the timeline looks like. And uh, I've never met somebody who's like, why do you have a kid? That's ridiculous. You know, a lot of people have been like, wow, like that's, that's a lot, you know. Um, I think people kind of, I don't know they think it's a lot like, they're like, oh my gosh, you have no time to do anything, you know, which isn't necessarily true. Um, but there is a, a, a decent amount of like also respect for it. You know, people recognize that they're willing to help out, um, which is something we're absolutely grateful for. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. Thanks, James. I'm figure out when to do it. I mean, just answered this. Was it just you, you wanted to, and so you did? Or, or well, what was that like? Was was someone pushing more than the other? Realistically, one spouse is probably going to want kids slightly more than the other one, right? But if both are, like, men and I both wanted kids badly. And to us, that was, we were willing to sacrifice other aspects of our life to start a family earlier um, because we wanted that, right? And so when we looked at our timeline, like, okay, I was going to start medical school, you know, I'm doing the MD-PhD program, so that's even longer, you know, so it's like, okay, well, maybe we'll wait until after preclinical years, which would be two years, so it's like, okay, well, 
that means we're moving for, we'll be probably switching from grad school. So then we won't get settled in, which gives us like two years. And if we don't get pregnant in the first year, that puts the first kid into clinicals, which would be really difficult. And it's okay. Well, why don't we wait till after medical school? Okay. Well, that's residency, you know, which is 70 to 80 hour work weeks. And it's like, okay, well after residency, and it's like, well, then we're like 40. You know? <laughs> like, so our timeline was like, oh my gosh, like there's no clear, okay, shoot this gap. So I was like, well, we get started early and we have a kid going into medical school. That's going to be easier than having our first kid in medical school. So that just for us, our timeline, it made sense to try to start earlier so that we wouldn't be balancing new medical student with new father. This and what about discussing, you know, all the new responsibilities that you mentioned? How did you figure out how to how to split things and are the responsibilities really divided in a clean way or is it just whoever's available or so you know one of the things that has really helped us i think succeed as parents and medical students or medical student i guess um is have some sort of routine right so our general routine is i will get up um and i'll try to work out um if situation permits um we can get into that later but uh um, I'll try to get some of my studying done before Oliver wakes up. Then once Oliver wakes up, I'll watch him. Sorry, he's he's hollering because he just got lunch and he hasn't been pulled out of his ice yet. Um, but uh, then I'll watch him for about an hour, hour and a half, and then it works out. And that's a, I love that time. It's usually like six thirty to eight ish, and we just we hang out, we watch Phineas and Fur, we play. Um, then after that, you know, I'm in pretty much medical student mode until whenever I'm done with stuff for the day, which could be two o'clock, it could be six o'clock, you know. Um, and then after that, it's like, okay, like I'm full, full dad mode again. And then and I are both, one of us is usually cleaning, tidying the house, while the other one's watching Oliver, we'll switch back and forth. That's when we do like family walks, things like that. And then bedtime is kind of an all hands on deck routine, just because you got to get them fed, bathed, all that stuff. Um, and then put them down and we usually have two or three hours just to ourselves to watch a show, cook our dinner, um, enjoy ourselves. But that routine kind of created natural divisions of responsibility. And like I said, I think the hardest time to figure that out is like the first month kid. Because I mean, it hits the fan. Like, like if I had to tell you the hardest time, it was that first month just that that is that is a difficult time and that's the time where i think that's really where you just need to buckle down and it's just like okay everyone's given their 100 percent, you know things like that but now with this routine you know i feel like our responsibilities are pretty balanced and we both work hard to make sure the other one doesn't burn out we both are aware and some days i may be like okay you know i can tell you're stressed you know i you know why don't you go work out again if you want to i'll watch oliver or she may be like you know like if i have a big test she goes here you know I'll watch them a bit longer. You keep studying, don't worry about it. You know, so it, it is a, a dynamic flow, but in general, having that routine allows us to know who's in charge, like who's in charge of them at what point. So we're never like, wait, I thought you had the kid, you know. It's my understanding that you're not making a doctor's salary yet. So I assume things are on the tighter end. 
how have you how have you pieced it together to make things work financially uh so finance finances are something you should definitely consider before having a kid um i'm not making a doctor's salary it's very true thankfully i'm in a place where my program pays for my tuition and gives me a living stipend each month so i'm not actively going into debt which is great um you know we we live very frugally right so we that was part of what pushed us toward Texas over Boston, which was the other place we were considering for medical school. Um, College Station is a much uh, lower cost of living. Um, and so that was a conscious decision on our part with our, our new priority of family life, right? Um, and uh, the best advice I got on this was my dad had me, I'm the oldest, had me during law school. Um, or sorry, I had me and my brother before starting law school, because he started law school, I think he took five years out of it, you have But, um, and he said, you know, I, I was so prideful and refused to take any sort of like government help. He's like, I, I refuse to do it. He's like, that was the dumbest thing. Ever. You know, so we have WIC, which is like this program that basically just gives you food to help feed Oliver. It's a pretty generous, like salary cutoff as to what, as to what they're pretty generous as to what qualifies for WIC, right? So that's been awesome. That's been super helpful. Um, and uh, we're incredibly grateful for for that help. But you know, otherwise that was that was one of the sacrifices. You know, like we recognized that to have men to stay home and watch Oliver would be, you know, not two salaries anymore. Um, you know, I'm making essentially a a PhD a generous PhD stipend, to be fair. Um, but it's a PhD salary, you know, it's a grad student salary. Um we have enough for all of our needs and several of our wants. For us, you know, a big want is delicious ice cream. So we buy, you know, we buy great value and, uh, you know, the all the generic brands. But then for ice cream, we go nuts. We always get Bluebell. It's this brand here in Texas, like the best ice cream you've ever had in your life. But that's like, that's a, that's a conversation to have. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, is, you know, is your spouse going to try to go back to work? You know, are you going to hire an assistant, like hire a, a nanny or you put in daycare, whatever it may be. I will say he is a very nice little tax break. We just did our taxes and our tax return was uh, generous thanks to him. Um, but it works. It, it really does. You know, um, it's tight. I'm not living as, you know, extrav like as, I guess, loose with my money as I used to. You know, we, we track our expenses, we track where the money's going, um, but we have enough. We do, and we're able to put, you know, I'm able to contribute to a Roth every month. You know, we're able to put money away for savings, we're able to afford things like, you know, my laptop broke and I needed to replace my laptop. Um, and so we're able to like work that into our budget, um, but it is tight. And you can't be going out to, you know, we've very, I think the last time we went out to eat was, I don't even know. October <laughs> we don't go out to eat very often you know we cook our meals and that's part of WIC right they give us ingredients to cook with um but it's definitely tight but it's totally doable how is Oliver's insurance set up are you able to get that through the university or or how does that work or is it just government government subsidized something like that um healthcare.gov um okay. big big proponent of that um again they're the that's just a uh, not to get political, but you know, an effort to increase access to healthcare insurance, which I think is a positive thing. 
Um, and for us, you know, it, we make a certain, like my stipend isn't enough to cover our needs, but thankfully it's low enough to get us great health insurance for nothing, essentially. Um, we use premium tax returns. So basically they take a little bit out of your tax return at the end of the year to help retroactively pay for health costs through the year. Um, it didn't deduct our tax return by hardly anything. And we were able to get him and Manda completely covered through that. Um, and I have insurance through the school. All right, James, I have one more question. One thing that I've thought about is like, it seems like you kind of talked about, you know, you wake up, you you try and exercise if you can, you'd spend some time with Oliver, you spend some time studying, you know, and then you kind of, it's kind of like a full-time job. I mean, you go to school and you study. Um, what do you do for fun? So when I said superfluous things dropped out, some of those were random hobbies, you know, that I did out of enjoyment, but just kind of didn't have time for. Um, What's the status of lock picking? Lock picking. Uh, I have all the stuff and I will occasionally pull it out and do it, but I don't do it every Sunday like I used to. Cause again, you know, I'm helping out Oliver. You know, I will say that there's time during the day for hobbies. I still play chess every day. I try to. Um, and I, you know, I'm uh, a nerd and that I find the stuff I <laughs> study pretty cool. Um, I'm able to work out. I, my goal is three times a week and I can usually do three times a week. Some weeks I can get six days, a full week's workout. Some weeks it's like one, you know, I'm lucky to make it once. Right. Um, so it's certainly a give and take, right. But you have to decide which things fall out of your life and which things stay in, you know? So there's certain hobbies that I really enjoyed that were very easy just to work into my day. Um, and there are other things like rock climbing that Mend and I love, but just logistically is very difficult to do because that would we need, you know, somebody to watch him um, or we bring him, but then truck dust, baby lungs is a little sketchy. Um, rock climbing passes are super expensive because there's no outdoor places here. You know, and we lived in Provo, we could just go to the Rock Canyon or, you know, even up to Salt Lake, but there are areas all over Utah to climb outdoors so we didn't have to pay, you know, gym fees you know, here you have to pay gym fee, right? Um, so that's something, a hobby that we both still love and have all the gear for, just haven't been able to do as much. Um, but it's certainly possible, right? And again, it's just deciding which priorities matter. Like I used to love playing on my phone, like playing different random games on my phone. And I do that a lot less now because it's, you know, that was just something that I didn't feel was, you know, improving me as a person. I didn't necessarily super have the time for it. So I stopped doing it, you know? Um, and that is kind of what I would characterize having a kid as is just this, this big shift of your priorities, this big shift and this time to reanalyze what you want to keep in your life and what you want to maybe potentially move on from. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks, James. Shadrach, I feel like you're letting Grant and I lead this, but you, you, you sent a big, long list of questions. Why don't you get in, get in the mix? Yeah. Yeah. I think most of my concerns of parenting um, come from the uh, imposter syndrome mentality, right? Where I am, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty like confident in my ability to provide for the child a, a home, you know, the financial side of things. Like I'm pretty confident in all of that. Um, 
my my biggest concerns in parenthood come from just like shoot how do i raise this kid like uh i don't you know i i come from a quite massive family um you know i'm i'm the fourth of 12 children and uh when you're the fourth of 12 children you know the parents have incredible love for every child um but the time in which they can express that love is very limited throughout the day and so like my experience of being parented is going to be different than literally i think every other person on the planet at this point um other than the families of you know big families and so i'm always like wondering like what does parenting look like in a normal sized family uh like what uh and how do i do that um you know so a lot of that a lot of my thoughts just come down to that and part of the reason why i'm quiet is the 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 questions that i texted into our group chat like I don't know if the questions fully encompass like what I was trying to get out of the questions, you know, um, I don't know how to phrase the questions of like, well, I just feel straight up inadequate as a father, as a potential father. So I'm like, how do I, what do I do to prepare? And like, how do I approach everything? And so I don't, I don't know what kind of questions to ask at this point, really. I just, it's, it's the unknown. It's the, the last great frontier. Anyways, I, I, I will say, I think, you know, when you decide to start your family, you make a list of things you can prepare, you know, getting baby things, figuring out health insurance, all that stuff. And then there's things you can't control. Um, and you have to be okay with letting those things go um, and trust that millions of people have raised their kids. Millions of kids have turned out just fine. And that, you know, if you try and you have a relationship with your child, then things are going to work out. They really are. You know, like one of the the incredible things about being a father is just seeing this little human being just develop and grow. You know, this week's been kind of a nostalgic week for me because he started saying dada. Um, he doesn't quite know it's me yet. You say dada? Hmm. okay kind of a grunty noise but you know he doesn't quite know it's me but it's a word we try to get him to say a lot and he, he likes saying the sounds um so we're working on him for you know it's me you know but it kind of made me reflect on it and you know he starts as this tiny premature baby in the NICU just evolved to this you know almost one-year-old with this big personality who loves to explore who loves his parents like so many special milestones along the way right and having a front row seat to that is is so special um and that kind of helps get rid of all the imposter syndrome because you see it happening before your eyes right um and so i don't know like i i, I love being a dad you know and there's a lot of sacrifices made in that arena of you know i'm not number one in my medical school class and that's those are things i'm okay with you know i'm probably not the best at I don't know, my hobbies or whatever it be. And that, and that's fine. Like that, that's something I acknowledge going into this is that I wouldn't have the time that my single peers would have. And that's okay. You know, that's a decision I made. Um, and I'm happy I made that decision personally for me. Um, but I will say seeing your son or daughter grow 
you know, and being right there for it is just so cool, you know, and I will say that just touching on this really quick before I have to head out to class, but, you know, in terms of mental health, I will say that having him is almost a great boon for my mental health because I'll get home from, uh, you know, a hard test or whatever it may be. And I open the door and you just hear like these happy little hand slaps on the floor as he crawls over the door and he's just excited to see me. And we just sit down and play. And it's just like this perfect break from everything else that's happening in my life. Um, and I think it's different for spouses and that's something we can address later. Um, but for me, having him has kind of given me a really sure foundation for my mental health of just like, he is so precious and he's so much fun to be with that he makes other big problems in my life seem pretty insignificant compared to this, like this, I don't know, this just tender little guy. I don't know. I love him. I love being a father. Thanks, James. I, I appreciate your honesty and uh, it's exciting to kind of watch the first of our friend group to, to have a child. So it'll be exciting to see, you know, the next few years as other people start having kids and stuff. So it's an exciting time, but I, I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we, we thought to talk about this. Alrighty, well, I think we should wrap it there. I'll see everybody next week. See ya.